what is going on? The tripod is back, baby. Dan. I actually know that song. Yeah, me too. But Dan. Was, yeah, let's go us. I yeah. Dan, how are you doing? A good brother. How are you, man? It's another beautiful night for a pod. I'm doing great. I mean, it's you know, the rookie draft. I think I said it last pod, but it's my favorite time of the year in Dynasty. Even if you don't have picks, it's just exciting. Teams have optimism. There's usually a lot of moves. There's fun things that go down. So I, I love this. And of course, we're joined by the third member, Mr. Nick Ruth. How are you doing? Good. I just spent all my draft capital, so it's going to be a boring offseason. I'm sure you have another move or two up your sleeve. I'm not going to count you out. Oh, no, he's done. done. (laughs) He spent basically everything. But as we'll get to a little bit later, he will see if the, the spend is worth the haul. Very true. He's he's got those stuff in 2025 picks. I feel like we're gonna pencil this as like a pod keyword topic for like the next two years because I probably won't shut up about him. Sorry, Stefan. Well, on this week's pod, we are going to recap the second round of the rookie draft. We'll go with um, through the trades that happened, um, you know, during the rookie draft and after, and then we're gonna finish up with kind of a new thing that we've neglected um, in the league in general. Talking about maybe some potential rule changes, we're entering year five, and we I don't think we've changed anything besides like when we switched to sleeper and we had like no choice to like adjust. Um, we had in. pick sixes, I think we're minus six at one point. There you go, yeah, but small things, and that's the stuff we're going to talk about are mostly small, but I think it could add maybe a little bit of excitement, and that's the biggest point of any change that we implement at this point. All right, guys, let's jump into the second round, and um, we're going to lead off with the trade. And this one involved me and Steve. Um, In this deal, I received the first overall pick in the second round. And in return, Steve received the third pick in the second round and my third round pick in 2024. Uh, Dan, we'll start with you. What are your thoughts on this deal? Uh, You come up to get a guy. That's I I think it's a good trade. I think, you you know, shit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I, I, I okay. That, thanks, Nick. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm Nick, sorry. Yeah, you just you came up and got a guy. He did. Oh, yeah. But I mean, but again, this is one of those trades where you, where you see somebody on the board that you want. You move back, like Steve moves back a couple picks, gets an additional draft piece, mm-hmm. and and Nick gets his guy. I I don't hate certain moves like this. I think I think these moves are entertaining because now it's oh shit, Chris doesn't get to potentially get one of the guys that he might hope falls one spot with this, and and Nick gets to go up and get him. No, I 100% agree. It, Mayer was tight end one going into the going into the draft. Maybe like a month before the draft, he lost it. So mm-hmm. he's still a decent draft capital. You went up, got your guy, goes to tight end you. Yeah. Yeah, Michael Mayer, I mean, I really liked um, – I mean, I was a little bit sour on him. I mean, in our group chat, like all college football seasons, people really hyping him up like the next Pitts or some uber prospect. I was like, slow your roll. But, I mean, he went in the early second. He goes to the Las Vegas Raiders, I think, is a good fit for him, uh, short and long term. Um, and in the tight end premium league, like, I thought he was definitely the best player on the board. So I was – Really happy that this worked out for you know Steve and myself to get a deal done. I mean, look what look what Jimmy G did with with George Kittle. I mean, you yeah. you put Mayer yeah. into this offense, and if Mayer can prove to be the number one guy, he'll beat out OJ Howard, no problem. Hurst, I think, has opportunity to compete and 
or I'm sorry, Hooper, not Hurst. Um, Hooper has the ability to go through and potentially give him a run for it. But I think long-term wise, this is, this is huge for Vegas. And I'm also an Irish fan, so I really like it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all going to go through Devonta Adams. For but. sure. Absolutely. But we saw, I mean, Waller, unfortunately was banged up, you know, throughout the year, but when he was healthy, he was still producing and, you know, playing for the tight end position. Like the bar is very low to be relevant. Oh, for sure. All right. Let's move on to the second pick. And Chris was on the clock. This might be the first curveball. Uh, Hendon Hooker, uh, quarterback for the Detroit Lions, uh, played at Tennessee, uh, comes off the board here to Chris. Nick, what were your thoughts on this pick? Um, after this pick is when I started trying to move up. I thought there was a clear person who should have been picked. Um, mm-hmm. And the slide starts here. It's an interesting pick. I mean, he took two quarterbacks in the first. So I guess just throw shit at the wall and see if one sticks. Maybe this is the next Jalen Hurts. You never know. Uh, I don't know. I think this is a reach. With, with oh, 100%. That, I mean, th- these two quarterbacks go off. Hooker, I mean, he might be there when he picks again at fucking 2-6. With it, it he's not going to play this year. The kid's 25. Mm-hmm. Like 25 years old. ACL injury is coming off of it. I sorry, Chris. I, I disagree with this year. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, he went in the third round. It's not like he was Will Levis. That yeah, he fell out of the first round, but he went early in the second. Teams moved up for him. Like these guys just don't. I don't know. Like these mid round quarterbacks. Like it's so rare for them to come up, and when they do, like they usually um, beat out like the guy and get like the spot earlier than later. Like with the hooker injury. Um, that he has like I, I don't think that's an option this year um so I just you know I think this is just throwing away a pick I think it's very similar to taking guys like Matt Corral um Desmond Ritter I mean we'll see maybe he worked out but some of the guys last year there was a few quarterbacks that went and I just disagreed then and I disagree now with Hooker All right, 2.3, uh, Steve is back on, or Steve's on the clock uh, after the trade with me, and he goes with uh, a running back. Uh, not the one you expect, though, maybe. Uh, Tajay nope. Spears, uh, running back from, I don't even remember where he was from. UAB. Uh, UAB. Um, he, he went to Tulane. Did he? Tajay Spears, I literally have him in front, in front of me. 21, 5, 10, Touché. 200 pounds. Who the fuck went to UAB? Uh, Dwayne Wash- McBride? Yep, McBride. I, all right, but thank you, Statboy and Dan. Um, so Taji Spears, he ends up in the Tennessee Titans. Um, Dan, what are your thoughts on this one for Steve? I don't like this landing spot. I mean, obviously, yeah, Derrick Henry's there. Mm-hmm. What kind of workload are we going to see out of Derrick Henry? Is Derrick Henry's longevity going to be there? What kind of workload is this going to be? Um, I mean, obviously, they you've got a guy that they just took last year in Hassan Haskins, um, who in very limited capacity looked eh with mm-hmm. it but he has backfield if catching presence so we'll see i mean obviously the reports came out about tajay and i think what it was a potential knees issues he doesn't have was? an acl in both knees and yep. he already has arthritis so i Probably i mean obviously 2.0. yeah i mean this is obviously this came out well afterwards so the steve doesn't have any of this information that we have now um i wasn't the guy i would have taken here but i yeah 
not the guy I would have taken. What do you think, Dick? Yeah, it's definitely not the guy I was trying to trade up for. Um, it kind of fits Steve's timeline. He probably won't get much play this year, or he'll take over in the second half when Henry just falls apart. So I get the draft. He, he was pretty high coming in. I mean, he had a lot of hype around him coming into draft season, so not a terrible yes. spot. Yeah, the heir apparent to an amazing or to a heavy run first team. It's worth a shot. I mean, there's other people I would have taken. Probably two people are above him on my board, but mm-hmm. I don't hate it. Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of mentioned it, but I'll expand maybe a little bit on it. I think it makes sense for Steve's team, like not competing this year, like drafting like a backup to Derrick Henry. You know, not going to be very relevant, not going to add to those potential points, you know, more than likely, like that makes sense for Steve's team. You know, we joke that he's in the driver's seat, but like, you know, this is a good way to like really cement yourself in the driver's seat by getting a player um, that, you know, isn't going to probably do much this year. Um, For me, I just I thought this was way too much of a reach, Uh, you know, looking at just where like average you know draft positions are for these rookies i mean spears is going pretty much at the end of the second so i i i'd like to imagine you could have moved back a few spots um and you know judging by like what nick's saying you know me i'm assuming a few others i'm sure there were probably trades that could have went through to maybe secure that um so i don't know and and spears i just the whole idea like of him like being having a shorter shelf life but then being a backup to derrick henry it's like like how many years is he going to get like to actually like play and like own a backfield? Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm skeptical. I, I don't really love the player as the more news has come out and the situation. So I, I'm not a huge fan of this one. All right. Uh, 2.4. Uh, Jer was on the clock and he took Rache Rice um, wide receiver from SMU. SMU, he ends up with the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, this is like the the bingo card, you know, in Dynasty drafts. Early or day two wide receiver to the Chiefs, pencil him in the second round. Dan, how do we feel about this pick? This wide receiver room is so fucking wide open for people that can produce. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kadarius Tony uh, has the track record, has some locker room issues. Sky Moore, is, in my eyes, has been nothing short of a bust. Like, having the special team muffs that he's had not mm-hmm. producing when given the opportunities. Um, I, I mean, you got MVS that's still out there, but outside of that, it's a bunch of no name bullshit pieces. And if, if rice can go through and create a connection with, with Mahomes, this could be something blossoming. But at the end of the day, I mean, again, there's nothing flashy in the wide receiver room outside of the tight end, Travis Kelsey for the Kansas city chiefs. And I think that's why Kelsey gets peppered so much is because there's a lot of these guys that I don't know if it's just a a relationship issue, if it's a trust issue, if it's just Kelsey's just night and day, the better option to throw the ball to. So if Tony can't can't do it, it, Rice is 100% worth a flyer here at 2-4. Nick? Yeah, I think Jer drafting the wide receiver that's getting the insane like post-draft hype I think has happened the last three years. He got Christian Watson last year. Mm-hmm. And he'd got Amon St. Brown the year before. So 
Jer is a bit of a track those, record. Yeah. He loves getting those wide receivers that are getting the insane post draft hype. And year one, one has had, worked out. One question had, mark. We'll see how this one is. And year one, he had AJ Brown and DK Metcalf. Exactly. He thrives on it and he's hit mm-hmm. most of them. Yeah. So T. Higgins, I think, was another. Again, I had two people above this. I probably wouldn't have taken him here. I I think I've messaged every person so far to try and move up and nothing's worked for me so yeah i mean i i get it like for rache rice like you know it's the chief's landing spot like i understand like rolling the dice here i'm with you nick i i i had like a couple more ahead of like rice on my big board like probably two to maybe four players um i would have taken over him but i i really can't fault outside of like one guy i really can't fault passing on those guys to roll the dice for someone that if he hits like you know he will skyrocket up draft boards he will be like a premium asset um but you know who's to say he's not another sky Moore? he's not another mccall hardman you know just someone that's small school that just doesn't produce you know for every tyree kill there's like 17 bust and i think the chiefs are finding out the hard way that it's not easy to just replace them but but I get the understanding of rolling the dice here. It's a good dice to roll in an offense. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? 2.5, Stefan is on the clock. And I think this is, you know, one of the more interesting uh, maybe steals, dare I say. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, uh, running back for UCLA, ends up in the Seahawks, though. A bit of a polarizing lane position. Nick, let's start with you. Because let's talk about Charbonnet, and then, of course, we'll pivot to Ken Walker. Um, how do you feel about this pick? Yep, this is the guy I've been trying to move up to since 2-2. Mm-hmm. Um, how he fell this far, second-round running back, blows my mind. I mean, it is a shitty spot. Yep. Very but shitty. Oh, the yeah. capital's yeah. there. The talent's there. It just blows my mind that he fell this far. Yeah, I mean, I... I think he should have been anywhere from I wouldn't have hated the twelfth or the the last pick in the first round all the way to like maybe two two. Yeah, the the question becomes here is how healthy is Ken Walker, and that, that I think that becomes the underlying piece to to this. Walker had games where he looked fucking unbelievable, mm-hmm. and then obviously we have some pieces where we have concerns, we have question marks. And anytime you've got that, I mean, this very well could be a two running back system and Charbonnet getting the ability to get 50% of the touches to produce and see which guy's going to pull ahead, which guy can create steam and momentum. Yeah. This is the guy I would have had going where hooker went. Uh, Definitely. Definitely had a Spears. I mean, Dan, like as an outsider, how do you see like kind of the situation playing out with, you know, Charbonnet and Walker, what are your expectations on how Seattle might use them? I, I, I think Walker, given the ability to show that he produced, is going to be the guy that's going to give be given first opportunity. Mm-hmm. But I think I wouldn't be surprised if we see a shorter leash. Um, you know, Charbonnet is basically two inches taller with the same weight. Well, he's a little bit heavier, yep. but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, the the receiving piece for for him is pretty nice. Um, 
Do you think yeah. so? Like Walker was kind of valued at like a in Dynasty, he was a top five running back, which was crazy, and that's kind of of course dropped after this you know yep. draft pick. But like, what are your expectations? Is he still a top twelve guy? Ken Walker, that is, or is he back in or is he in RB two territory? I think he's approaching RB two territory. I just I, I question the the health. I question the consistency. Mm-hmm. That we see out of it, and it, it definitely picked up a little bit more. I have all the faith in the world for it. I got into my head. I don't necessarily want to buy into it as much as some other people might. Okay, Nick. You know this. This is. I'm not going to say this is telling, but when I look in your lineup, I don't see Ken Walker starting. How do you feel about him? Well, I just drafted Bijan Robinson. This is true. I'm just. You know, <laughs> Just throwing out this like purely scientific like reasoning. Yeah, I mean, I Weber kept referencing his health. Is there something I don't know? No, but I just wanted Weber was in the zone, so I was just letting him feel himself for that. I thought I thought Walker missed time for injury last year. He missed one game. Okay, so one game, right? Let's say like week eighteen, he had eighty-seven percent snap. So I was like, I don't think anything happened. Um. I there's maybe three or four backfields that are one running back. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just the way the NFL is now. Fantasy's gonna have to adapt that you don't really have those bell cows. And if you have a good running back on a super run heavy offense, you just have to take it. And call me a hater, but there's no chance in fuck that Geno Smith is gonna reproduce what he did. He's proven for eight years what he is and he had one fluke year so i think it's going to be on the back of zach and ken and we'll see how it goes i mean i understand uh, i fully agree with like that logic that no team is going to have you know or very few situations are going to be a pure bell cow situation but like ken walker was drafted in like the early second round and then the following year they take you know charbonnet in like the mid to late second round and for the record, I mean, the there was a, a stark difference in the Seattle offense last year. Like, they pivoted to being much more pass-happy. So, I mean, unless we're going to see them get back to their roots, I don't know if, like, the run game is necessarily going to be a given, especially after they just took a wide receiver in the first round. So, I mean, are you, you're not concerned at all about back-to-back years running backs in the second? I mean, sure. It would be dumb not to be. Yeah, but I also think Geno Smith is going to force their hand. Okay, that's fair. But good pick for Stefan. I mean, even rebuilding, I think this was a no-brainer. And yeah, that's a it could be easy run. to like how he fell blows my mind. It'd be easy to talk yourself out of this, but I I don't think you could afford to pass on that one. There maybe is one person as a rebuild team I could talk myself into. Yeah, for sure on the board right now, but I don't see how he fell i mean just out of sheer getting value like he can flip them for more than two five easy more than likely um all right let's move on to 2.6 chris is back on the clock and he took kendry miller running back from tcu ends up in new orleans dan how are you feeling about this one i hate the landing spot really I, okay. Yeah, I mean, well, so, so here's the way I look at it. Obviously, Kamara's had a couple injury pieces mm-hmm. over the last couple of years, but 
Kamara is the king of the backfield with simply his pass well, catching ability. He's potentially going to jail. Uh, potentially, Samantha. It's the NFL. He's not going. Felony I battery mean, he's facing. Yeah, we'll the, see. Jamal Williams gets added to this roster. Mm-hmm. Jamal Williams had the best year of his career last year in Detroit. Mm-hmm. I, I yep. 17 touchdowns. A lot of goal line runs. Goal line say, average touchdown run was probably like 1.6 yards. The big question becomes is Kendra Miller has not proven catching the ball out of the backfield. It's just not. And Derek Carr needs some of that ability with just what he held with Josh Jacobs and some of the other pieces with it. But that's my big concern here is the Saints offense has a lot of dink and duck, but that's also because Kamara is Kamara. How that changes with a guy that's not proven out of the backfield puts a lot more pressure on, you know, Olave, Michael Thomas. It's um, Juwan Johnson. Like there's these pieces that Derek Carr is going to be able to feast upon. That is where I, my concerns are with the pick at Kendra Miller here is, Kamara's situation, Jamal Williams coming off the best year of his career. Who knows? Fair enough. Nick, how do you view things? Yeah, I mean, Chris is at a point now where his wide receiver group we has been good. I mean, he's got Jamar Chase. He just filled in with two starting quarterbacks. He's not going to really be able to punt for high picks anymore, and his roster is void of running backs. Yep. Arguably the best running back on the board. It's yeah. hard to argue. I mean, mm-hmm. I personally have one more person above him on my big board, but it's a position of need. He'd probably go this pick or the next anyway, so I don't hate it. It makes sense. Yeah, I think this is about right. Um, I would have probably taken Miller over maybe one or two other, or maybe two or three players on the board, but I- I'm a little more optimistic with the landing spot. Um, I think it might be, you know, maybe a little crowded this year, but. Um, you know, regardless of what happens with Kamara, I don't think he's someone that's going to be here long-term, obviously. So I think Miller can come in and Jamal Williams, like, you know, Nick, you just mentioned it with the last guy, like no running back is going to have like a hundred percent of the backfield. Like, it's just not how the game works nowadays for all, but maybe like three running backs. So I I don't know if that's necessarily a deal breaker for Miller long-term this year might be frustrating, but you know, in the future, I think there's reasons for optimism. 2.7, 2.7, uh, Steve is back on the clock, and he goes with Mr. Jonathan Mingo, wide receiver from Ole Miss, ends up in Carolina. Nick, how do you feel about this one? This is him and Zach were the two players I was trying to trade up the entire time for. Um, okay. It's an amazing landing spot. High capital has just had insane just shooting up boards the last yeah. month. Crazy. Like, Give me two months ago, I never heard of the guy. A month ago, he's I saw him in first round in some dynasty drafts. Yeah, he was so wide just, receiver five off the board, and he's Bryce Young's number one target on paper. Yeah, so I love it. It fits Steve's team perfectly. Um, yeah, there's no one I would have taken above him, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I like where he landed. Uh, understand, yeah, Thielen's there, Chark's there. I get it. But this is, I mean, again, for a rookie, connecting with a rookie, for finding comfort blankets. I, the wide receiver core that 
that we get to work with here with for Bryce Young is, I mean, Thielen, Shark, and Mingo. That's pretty fucking awesome for the Bears who have that draft pick. Not so great. Where if they can find some kind of chemistry, we might be not be picking at one. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I love the landing spot. Really do. I think he definitely should have gone a little bit sooner than some of the other guys. Um, but yes, I absolutely love where Mingo ended up. Yeah, I mean, I'll echo, echo it. Landing spot's awesome. I get the optimism. The only thing for me is, like, I understand he rose, and I'm not going to fall that, but it's, you know, just interesting. He was not very productive in college. Um, and even, like, the last year, like, he obviously had a good year, but it wasn't, like, amazing by any means. Um, I, I guess the biggest thing he is going relative to most of this draft class is he's a big boy, you know, over 6'2". Um, I think he's like 220. So like this was a draft class with a lot of smaller wide receivers. So maybe that's, you know, the measurables or something to be excited about, but just something to wonder, you know, is the the lack of production, you know, something to worry about, or is it just the traits and is he going to figure it out or is he going to be a big bust? I don't know, but definitely a great landing spot. Uh, 2.8. I'm back on the clock. And I take uh, Sam Laporta, tight end from Iowa, ends up uh, with the Lions. Dan, how do you feel about this one? Fucking amazing landing spot for Laporta. Like, this is trading away TJ Hawkinson last year to get some draft capital to get some other pieces, what the Lions need to do, even with being on the verge of making the playoffs. Laporta can step right in and be that number one tight end. Has completely the ability to do it. It's a big target, 6'3", in size. I fucking love this. And for you that in a tight end premium league where you hoard tight ends, you got mayor already, you're coming back with Laporta. Love it. Absolutely love it. Thanks, Dan. Nick, how do you feel <laughs> about it? Yeah, best player available by far. Great landing spot. Um, super athletic. There's not much to hate on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm optimistic. I mean, I... It's hard to find like tight end premium like draft data. Um, so maybe he's a tiny reach, maybe he's not. I don't know, but um, you know, second tight end off the board, like that was definitely a big surprise. Um, for me at least, I thought he was he was someone going into the NFL draft that was on my radar. I was thinking maybe I could get him like in the third round, but you know, obviously that was out the door when the Lions took him in the early second. Um but yeah, I'm I'm glad to add him to the tight end core uh, on my team. Got to keep that stable of tight ends rolling, I guess. Point five more points of catch, not those add up. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Steve is back on the clock uh, with ninth pick in the second round, and he goes with Mr. Marvin Mims, wide receiver from Oklahoma, ends up in Denver. Nick, how do you feel about this one? Yeah, we're starting to get to the point where it is just sheer dart throws. Um, I don't hate it. He just won the best wide receiver in college award, didn't he? Or was it Hyatt? That was Hyatt. Hyatt, Hyatt. yeah. Whatever. He was part of a good team. Um, He goes to an insanely crowded room where their quarterback, I'm not sure, has his head out of his ass or not. Eh, I guess for Steve, you just throw the dart and hope it hits and... There's certainly worse dart throws. Yeah, I mean, we're at hopes and prayers right now for selecting certain things. And this is, I hate the landing spot. And I think that's, I probably would have gone Hyatt here over Mims just with what was on the board simply because 
I think Hyatt's got a better better spot to make an impact than Mims does in Denver. I like Mims a little bit more than you guys. I know those spots a little bit crowded, but I mean, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, with the Sean Payton offense, but he's by all accounts, like not the biggest, you know, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy fan. So, you know, we'll see if that actually plays out that way. But the fact that Denver didn't have a lot of picks and he made it a goal to trade up to get him. Um, Mims, I really actually like him a lot, to be honest. Um, if Laporta wasn't still on the board, he 100% would have been my pick. Um, I think this is a good get for Steve. Um, I, you know, probably my favorite pick for him uh, in the second round when you look at all the picks he had. Um, I think this has big home run potential. 2.10, uh, Jair's on the clock, and he took uh, Mr. Jalen Hyatt, J- well, Hyatt, a wide receiver from Tennessee, ends up with the New York Giants. Dan, how do you feel about this one? This is all on Danny Dimes. I mean, obviously, Hyatt had the hamstring piece in the in the combine, but, mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard to argue against what he did at Tennessee with Hendon Hooker and the output for it. He, I think he has the ability to compete if he's healthy right off the bat, right off the bat with uh, Danny. I like it. I, again, I, I think he was above Mims. Fair enough, Nick. Yeah, I mean, for a team that really has struggled to find running backs, to go wide receiver, wide receiver when Zach was on the board and now Tanks was on the board. I get it, I guess. Hyatt's probably, you know, the most talented player, best player available. You go best player available. But sometimes you got to draft need if they're in that same tier. Um, I don't hate it, but I think team-wise, he probably could have used a running back in one of these picks. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a little bit lower on Hyatt. I think the Tennessee Volunteers offense is a little gimmicky, and I think... You know, he kind of benefited from some schemes and speed kills. Um, I worry that Hyatt might be one of the classic, you know, better football players and fantasy players. You know, the dreaded um, Joe Flacco syndrome, the dreaded like running wind sprints um, all game, just going deep. And, you know, that that's an important role. But, you know, maybe that isn't something that dimes in this offense capitalize on or maybe they do. But um, I kind of agree with your line of thinking here, Nick. Um, I have a few guys that I would have taken over Hyatt, I think, but um, it has a chance to definitely hit. I mean, that Giants team is definitely begging for someone to emerge in the pass catcher side of things, and Hyatt will certainly have an opportunity. All right, before we get to the next pick on the clock, there was a trade, and it involved uh, the Knicks. Nick and I got together on a deal. Uh, In this one, I sent Sam Howell quarterback for the Washington Commanders. And in return, I got 2.11 and the Nick, your 2025 third round pick. Dan, being the only unbiased party, how did you view this deal? I I think it all depends on how Ruth views Howell and Mm -hmm. how obviously I think it's come out that said he's going to be the guy that's going to get the opportunity here. How short-lived that leash could potentially be will be interesting to see. I potentially be the start here compared to what's on the board. I, I really, uh, I, I think, I think Ruth wins a little bit long-term if Howell pans out. And obviously I mean, 
quarterback I think is more valuable than what was picked for you here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll take the flyer on Howell here um, all day. All right, Nick, what are your thoughts on or your perspective on this deal? Yeah, so the only reason I really did it is because of the trade that happens later. Um, okay, fair enough. He liked Howell more than 211, so if it cost me a 20, 25, third, whatever. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, for me, I mean, I definitely agree with your potential, Dan, or with your statement, Dan. If if Hal hits, you know, I regret this. Um, I guess for me, I'm just, you know, kind of erring on the side of, you know, probability. Um, you know, I, I'm skeptical that Hal's going to remain the, the long-term guy in this dysfunctional or potential changing Washington Commanders team uh, that could be in flux over the next year or so with new owner you know maybe a new coach maybe a new scheme who knows um but it could definitely bite me in the ass um so so yeah so i i, I would have loved to get the, the jordan love return but i definitely tried a few offers to people and they're just there wasn't quite the market on how i think a lot of people shared my skeptic skepticism wow skeptic skepticism wow words are hard skepticism uh with how um and unfortunately, just wasn't able to make something bigger happen. Anything else in this trade before we move on to the pick? Nah, go ahead and make it. No, I pick. think it's smart. I mean, you drafted them, what, in like the fourth last year? And you cash in yeah. for a second and third. So, I mean, it's kind of a win-win. Took them at 4-4 last year. So, I, if nothing else, I'll take that ROI. Uh, with the 11th pick in the second round, I took Mr. Tank Bigsby. Running back from Auburn ends up uh, in the Jags team uh dan how do you view this one um the question becomes is how much can tank eat it into etn on the passing downs i think that is truly where i mean etn was was great i mean he didn't yes. have a whole lot of drops he, he was able to get out of the backfield he was able to be effective for trevor lawrence etn obviously knows how to run the ball very well very effectively so the question becomes is this is this is a great depth play for for jacksonville they get a guy that's very capable of the backfield can run the ball can can take care of the workload should anything happen to ETN. Obviously, coming out of Auburn, but his pass catching ability is what really makes Bigsby appealing to me. Nick, yeah, I mean it makes sense for you. I mean, potentially one of your starting running backs is supposed to be getting cut every day for the last like six months now, and the other yeah, one's coming I, off I an ACL tear. So, happen, please. Um, I mean, if you're trying to compete, which I don't really, honestly, I think for the last year, I don't know what you're trying to do. Um, it makes sense. It makes sense to just get best player available, which I certainly think he is. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think Bixby just checked so many boxes, you know, with college production, you know, going in the third round, um, you know, being an, you know, an early declare, um, you know, good measurements, combine stuff. Um, the shittiest thing, obviously, was the landing spot, landing behind ETN. So I'm, you know, just kind of banking on, you know, the player sort of figuring it out. You know, maybe it's a timeshare situation. Maybe you push CTN, you know, you know, root for injuries. But, you know, all running backs are probably going to miss a game or two. So we'll see. Maybe this is something that could pay off more long term. But um, I, I, I like the player. So I don't mind betting on the player here in the late second into the third round. So I'm all for it. Yeah, I mean, I think when you two look at this, best player available, hard to maybe argue that Bigsby's not the best guy there, too. 
Thanks, Dan. Uh, all about compliments tonight building self-esteem appreciate it uh wrapping up the second round uh with stefan and he's on the clock and he took mr Jaden reed wide receiver from michigan state ends up with the green bay packers nick or let's yeah start again, or nick, no I, I have a bone to pick with this okay let's hear going into this pick i was 23 for 23 on players being in my mind <laughs> of players being picked. You know, I didn't necessarily get all the position, like their draft spot right, but I was 23 of 23. And then he does this fucking shit. Tell us how you really feel. I was 22 at 24, but I ended up 23 of 24 because of this fucking pick. Who did you have in this spot? Josh Downs. I actually had Jaden Reed in mind. I thought the um, the Packer play was in play with Stefan on the clock. Yeah, stupid fucker. <laughs> but all right, Nick. But the pick. How do you feel about Jay, uh, Reed and the Packers and I mean, draft spot for Stefan? That offense is such a shit show. Someone has to stick. Um, he's an older, smaller wide receiver. I guess. Um, yeah, but. They don't really have anyone. Christian Watson didn't do too, too much. Romeo Dobbs didn't do much. Everyone much else Watson. left for the Jets, so. Yeah. Dan? Yeah. yeah, this is this is interesting. I think, I mean, number one, I'm going to say Homer pick because obviously Stefan is, <laughs> is a Green Bay fan, so he's gonna, mm-hmm. he wants a piece of the offense to get a little excited about. Maybe this is a, a jersey buy for him. Who knows? Um, but it's... Who knows what we're going to see out of Jordan Love this year? And giving Jordan Love as many offensive opportunity weapons that he can get is big. And if he can, if Jaden Reed could sit into the slot at 5'11, 187 and be quicker than shit, good for him and everything. Um, he's got special teams upside, which is what it is. But if, if he can be West, points for that, yeah. If he can be Wes Walker in the slot for Jordan Love, and he gets peppered with eight to ten targets uh, a game. Cool, but we got to see it out of love first. Yeah, a lot of question marks, but I think you know, Nick, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, outside of Watson and their running backs, like there's nothing really you know cemented on this offense. Um, they obviously drafted Reed, they drafted some tight ends, so they're clearly you know angling to give Love a lot of support. And now it's just you know find out who meshes and who like shines. Um, so I, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with taking a wide receiver that was drafted in the second round. So, you know, bonus points if Stefan gets it on his favorite team, um, don't hate it. I think, I think this was probably the best player available. Um, well, actually, no, I lied. Josh Downs is hundred percent the best player available. I'm shocked he didn't make it into the second round, but yeah, um, my Reed mock is... I had, um, two, three and somehow he fell. Let's see. I had... I did not have him that high, but I had him uh, 210. I didn't do a mock. <laughs> we'll have to, like, maybe we'll, rec- or we'll do something better next year with a mock, and we can broadcast on a podcast for the 2024 class. Get ready for the Caleb Williams, Brock Bowers, Marvin Harrison Jr., and Drake May hype club. Um, all right, but first two rounds are in the books. Um General thoughts on the first two rounds, either moves you liked, some surprises, you know, how do you feel about things, guys? 
Start with you, Dan. I felt like I did really well. Like, I'm just going to put that out there. I, I felt I did really well. I think Ruth did really well. Obviously, gets Bijan, makes a big trade that we haven't talked about yet. Do we want to we'll talk to about it. that? Okay. Um, you know, I, I think I did well to say, hey, like, I'm going to compete. Nick plays well. Chris addresses some situations. Don't exactly agree with all of the picks that he made, um, but still good. Um, guys that didn't pick, I think get – I don't know if I, I'm – nervous for them not having anything here just we do have a couple wild cards and dart throws but i i think nick and i did very well between drafting and trading to better our positions sounds good nick how do you feel or any just random thoughts i mean the draft's fun because everyone gets better no one really gets worse it's not like you're giving up too too much in the trades but um it's interesting that some teams definitely drafted best player available versus team need. And I think that could come and bite them, especially with how stacked one division is versus the other. I mean, if you have a weak position, it could really be a glaring hole. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes to the season. Any thoughts as we look, you know, third round, obviously, you know, the unique part of our league is, you know, the split rookie draft. Um, we're not going to pick up until I think the second preseason game. Um, any thoughts? I mean, we talked about Josh Downs, but any players like you early predictions on who maybe could go or um, anything to look for uh, in the coming months? Start with you, Nick. I have two. Okay. One would be Roshkan Johnson for the Bears. The Bears mm-hmm. backfield's wide open. Yeah. Um, he comes in, gets the brunt of it he could be a great running back and the other is chase brown with cincinnati running back Mm -hmm. um mixon and kamara should have been suspended like two years ago and it somehow it keeps just getting pushed back and back (laughs) it's gonna catch up to him and if it does the depth chart in cincinnati there's not much there so it's gonna be chase brown's backfield and with that offense you literally want any piece you can get so if you can get the starting running back of that offense in the third round, kudos. So I think those and Josh Downs, who there's no way he should be here, but those three I think are my headlines. Dan, any either specific players or just general thoughts as we look to the third round and you try to look into your mystery ball of what could be happening? Yeah, I think for me the the big question is what are we gonna see? production-wise, from Musgrave and Shoemaker. Obviously, we're in the tight end premium league. These are guys that are going to be competing for top positions on the offense to be the guy that's going to be the starter out there that's going to pass block, they're going to to pass catch. I I think those two guys are going to be the two people to watch for me Mm -hmm. as to who potentially could see that catapult off of a week one performance, a – potential week two performance that says, yep, this is going to be the guy in that team in a tight end premium league. Yeah. Hard to argue with that. I think for me, outside of Josh Downs, Josh Downs, I expect the third and fourth round to be heavy running back and heavy tight end uh, featured. Um, I just think when you look at how things are and the players that were taken and where they were taken in the NFL draft and their situation, those just look like the obvious fits. Um, Not a lot of great, wide receivers i think are on the board but maybe we'll see someone emerge over the summer 
And, I mean, quarterbacks, some interesting ones. We definitely saw some teams reach looking to find, like, the next Brock Purdy. So maybe that'll be interesting to see if anyone can get some buzz. But at least right now, I don't think anyone sticks out as a clear-cut option. Here's the last one I'll bring to you. Okay. Who reaches hard for Stetson Bennett? Um, Isn't he, like, 40? Yeah. Did you see that tweet? He, he's been at Georgia since 2017, and I, he's not even close to graduating, or someone like posted his credits or something. Yeah, he's, 20, he's 25 right now. Yeah. Like he was in college before Lawrence went to college, I think I saw. Yeah. Pretty remarkable. I, I'm going to say Chris takes him. I could see that. That would be. There's no way he takes him at three two. No, I'd say four, four two. two. I was just four two. Yeah, or Kevin takes him at three eleven. Yeah, that's an option as well. All right, um, let's move on to the big granddaddy trade that we saw go down. I I believe this was after the draft. Um, Nick and Kevin got together on a doozy. Um, in this deal, Nick received. Travis Kelsey and Derek Carr. And in return, Kevin received Sam Hall, Foster Moreau, Nick's 2024 and 2025 first round draft pick. He also received Nick's 2024 second round draft pick and Nick's 2025 oh wait, third round draft pick. It was 2024 third. We ended up switching because I okay. misclicked. Yeah. So, but the core two first. For, and Sam Howell for Kelsey and Carr and a second, I guess, as well. Um, Dan, what were your thoughts on this big boy of a deal? I mean, pay up to get the talent you want to have. This mm-hmm. is this this got paid. Kelsey obviously is the man all over the face of the planet. It arguably could be considered one of the best tight ends of all time. Um, obviously, number one tight end last year, number 12. PPR overall <laughs> last year. The guy's just a machine at a target. Like you can't ask for much more out of what you get out of Travis Kelsey. He's been over a thousand yards for the last one, two, three, four, five. Three of those seven years. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, Derek Carr obviously is, is the big question mark here. It's a depth for Nick. Getting rid of Sam Howell, obviously, this is the piece that Nick was alluding to earlier. Foster Moreau in New Orleans, okay, whatever. For Kevin wanting to move on, and obviously his reaction to my moves, I I think Kevin got paid, and I think Kevin deservedly got paid for a guy like Travis Kelsey. I think Nick had to pay Nick had to overpay a little bit of the price, but for a guy that wants to go in and win a championship and make money back that he spent, you pay it. And you hope that he plays three, four more years for you, retires at 37, 38, and you're good. So I think Kevin gets paid, and I think that makes Nick arguably one of the favorites to win the league this year. Yeah, I mean, I think it's so hard to bring up, like, the word overpaid when you're talking about someone like Kelsey because he's just like, you know, he's like having a third quarterback in your lineup. 
Like that is just such a positional advantage to have like a tight end of all players, like putting up like 20 points like every week. Um, but, you know, he is 34 or he's going to be 34, you know, in the near future in this season. Um, so paying two first, you know, a second and Sam Howell, you know, uh, you know, that that's a decent price. I mean, basically the two first um, and especially just because, you know, things can go wrong. Um, Nick is in a very strong division. Like he is, I'd say, among the favorites to make it. I would be shocked if he didn't. But stranger things have happened. Um, and I also just like my own principle of things, like the idea of going all in, and I'm using air quotes because he still has somehow Kevin's, or excuse me, Stefan's 2025 first round draft pick. Somehow he kept this through all his trades. Um, going all in in May, like it's just risky. Like I feel like it's just asking for bad juju for players to maybe not work out and, you know, bad stuff to happen. So I don't love that, but, you know, it's Travis Kelsey best you know you can make a case like he's the most valuable non-quarterback player in the league um but how long does he have you know that's always the big question i guess um nick how does it feel to have kelsey and pitts in your team and so my tight end room is about five first round picks yeah Mm -hmm. um yeah if you ask kevin i certainly did not overpay (laughs) yeah well i mean it's he's it's very hard to overpay for someone like Kelsey. Yeah, and that's why the two firsts for Kelsey, I, I think I sold them for that plus a starting running back like two years ago. So you take out a starting running back and the two firsts. It's whatever. I had I had a lot of picks, mm-hmm. and my team's ready to compete. I think this, with the addition of my running back at 1-1, I would say I'm the best team in the league. So... It's hard to argue that, and I'll give you. You know, you go. Pieces. You know, dynasty. Everything you kind of hear, at least everything I read or hear, you always say that two-year window, two-three year window is what you want. You go all in for that two-three year window, then you reload. This is my two-three year window. Kelsey's probably got two-three years. Carr's probably got two-three years. I have a pretty good young base, but th- I'm going to go hard for this two-three year window. I mean, you know, the league—they're going into our fifth year. You look at Stefan in the last four years, three years, he's up $1,300. Like you just, if you have your window, go hard. And that's what I'm going to go for. I'd argue it. Yeah. The balancing act here is key. And this is where you see teams like you that have acquired pieces. Now go get pieces. Look at Sam. Sam sold the first two years, made a positive donation to the group, said, this is where my path is. Sam made money last year. It's hard to argue the sacrifice for the victory long-term. And this is your victory long-term stretch before you hit part of the sacrifice later on. Yeah. Um, Nick put together a nice sheet of showing like who's made money. Um, Stefan's obviously blowing everyone out, but Sam, I mean, yeah, he donated the first two years, but he's the second he's tied for the second, like most in like money earned, you know, just winning a title. Like that is just a huge boon. Uh, towards that goal, so and which is down that goal. list really quick. I I just I did I get copied on that? Uh, um, no, I just sent no. it to him in a text. I think. Oh, so, I, yeah. Go through that list. At I'm the curious. end of this year, or the end of last year, so for five years, mm-hmm. um, four years. I am negative one hundred. Weir is negative one hundred. Sane's up two fifty. Jair's down one seventy five. Sam's up two fifty. 
Armand's tricky because he took over mid first year and yeah. Sean actually won the first week high score. Yep. So technically Armand's, I guess, only down what three seventy-five? Three seventy-five, yep. Yeah. Chris is down five hundred. He's the only person who hasn't won anything, even a high score. <laughs> Sorry. Kevin is up to fifty. Stefan is up thirteen twenty-five. Jesus Christ. Applehans is down four seventy-five. Weber, you're down for Hundo. Adam is up 150. Yeah. Fucking A, man. That is the five-year total right now with high scores and championships and whatnot. That's fucking insane. That's, those are some cool numbers. Like, it sucks to realize that I'm down $400 fucking dollars for playing this fucking <laughs> league where I spend all my free time and effort making this fucking podcast for you asshats. Um, you know what amazes me? What's that? Jer has never won high score. He had a pretty solid team the last two years. She can't piece it together. I mean, it also just goes to show how much a fluke that is. Like, yeah, obviously you think the best team, but like how many times do we just see like some random ass like RB2 go off and yeah, you know. So yeah. But yeah, that's pretty interesting. All right. Thank you for that. And let's do we want to move on to our final couple subjects? Yeah, for sure. So um, we mentioned at the start um, potential looking at rule changes. Um, I would say just right off the bat, none of these are for sure going to get implemented. You know, we're going to talk about them on the podcast and then kind of open it up for anyone to shed thoughts and then maybe we'll bring it to a vote. But uh, we try to think of rules that, you know, don't necessarily impact um you know, roster construction, you know, team building, stuff like that. It's just more um, just all-encompassing stuff. Like, so it doesn't really impact anyone from a, you know, long-term play or how you constructed things. At least I don't think it does. Um, so we have, let's see, one, two, three rules changes that we're going to look at. Um, and I'll go from, like, most or least polarizing to most polarizing. So the first one we're going to talk about is the idea of declaring or the toilet bowl winner earning something. This is pretty common in many dynasty leagues. Um, the toilet bowl is bowl is between uh, all the teams that don't make the playoffs. Typically, the two worst teams get a buy, and then how it goes is if you win, you advance. So whoever wins the toilet bowl then in this proposal would get an additional draft pick. This would be the 2.13, so the 25th pick, um, theoretically. Um, there's a lot of merits to this. You know, the teams that miss the playoffs potentially are bad for a reason, so they need help. So, And then this also encourages activity. Um, instead of their season being over when the regular season's done, there's still incentive for those teams to set their lineups and, you know, ride it out for another three to four weeks uh, during the playoffs. Uh, Dan, what are your thoughts on this potential rule change? Uh, so I like it overall. I think this is it's something that you get to play for. I think it's something that has merit to increase what is worthwhile as you go on. Um, the one question I'll have that we didn't talk about offline but just came to my head is, would this pick be considered tradable? Yes. Okay. Um, I like it. I think it's a, it's an incentive to do well in the – 
in there because obviously getting an additional piece of draft capital, especially if we have situations where a guy was passed on that might have deserved to be drafted into the second round, it mm-hmm. gives you that opportunity to acquire that talent. It keeps the bottom half competitive for good divisional camaraderie. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I like it. Um, one of my other leagues, the winner of it actually gets 1.13. I feel like that <laughs> is a bit early. I'm not the biggest fan of it. So 2.13, I think, is a perfect sweet spot. It helps kind of the bad teams get better. Not necessarily it won't be the worst team since you actually have to win games, but the worst teams do get the buy. So I guess higher chance, but I digress. Um, I like it. I don't really see too many negatives. I guess we're throwing in one more draft pick, but if it if it's tradable, so maybe they can trade and get a better player, or they just draft a better player and it helps them so they don't suck less next year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, I think it increases um, participation, activity, and I think it rewards maybe some uh, lesser teams that could use uh, the help. So I think it could make sense. Um, I'll post this rule in the chat and maybe we can see some discussion involved it. Uh, the second potential rule change, no trade deadline. What does that mean? That means no trade deadline. You lose your quarterback in the second round of the playoffs, you can trade for a quarterback. The championship game, you want to go all in and you want to secure, you know, some backup running back that has like a juicy ass game because Christian McCaffrey's like out for the 49ers, trade for him. Trades are fair game the entire year during the playoffs or not. Nick, how do you view this change? This one's a little trickier. Um, I don't hate it. I can probably be talked into it. I don't love it. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, in Dynasty, if you're selling, you're selling all year. Um, we've seen that through our league. There's not a big time where you can see someone who, you know, was trying, just missed the playoffs, and then, you know, would sell and hope to maybe recoup it next year. But it's a lot harder to do in Dynasty than redraft. Um, but anything that drums up participation and transactions and trades you know i like so i could be talked into it easily yeah i think the interesting piece with it is what happens to teams that make a deep run that do have injury impact and i I, i'm with nick i think i can be talked into it i think there's value to being able to move on from pieces late in the year for teams that are desperate. I mean, if you're talking about championship game and your starting running back goes down or has an injury and you think that that one piece makes the difference for you and you want to pay a little bit extra to, to take care of it. I'm not opposed. I, I think if, if gun to my head, I'm probably about 70% in favor of that. Um, but it's, it, it just fosters activity and activity creates, Movement and movement creates opportunity to compete. I will say, thinking about it, though, it it does bring up one issue is, you know, some teams build for depth so they can kind of absorb that this happens. Mm-hmm. If a team didn't, they're hot, they lose their quarterback, and they just ship everything to get a team or like a quarterback to compete and win, you didn't really build your roster right to win. So that, I think, is the biggest downfall for me is why I don't like it. But again, I could probably be talked into it. 
Yeah, I mean, I think obviously we're talking about an extreme situation here, right? Like you're starting quarterback and you having no backup, like go down. Um, I think it's an intriguing thing just because, you know, you said it down, it increases activity. Um, I also think, you know, personally, I think I, I would just want to see what people do because I think any of these trades are just sucker trades. I think the idea of going all in for one game is like would be woefully short-sighted. Um it doesn't matter who you trade for. I don't think you're going to increase your your winning percentage enough to justify doing something extreme. Like, you know, would you really trade a first round pick for, you know, someone that is filling in for like one game and like they don't even have a long term play? Like if, you know, the Bears started a backup quarterback or, you know, I don't even know. But like some just extreme situation, like I I really don't think that situation would play out. But at the same time, I know I wouldn't do it. So if someone else wants to do it, like I would appreciate the podcast content. So um, so that's where my head's, head's at with it. <laughs> um, anything else with this one before we move on to the, the last one? No, I'm good. All right. This one is probably the most polarizing one, and I, I don't know if we'll get the support, but I think it it warrants discussion with where the league is right now. Um, we obviously have two divisions, um, and in this format, three teams in each division make the playoffs, two teams in each division get a bye. Um, you know, we'll go more in depth probably in the coming weeks on both divisions and how things sit. But spoiler alert, the six best teams in the league all might be in the Avengers division. That might not be a very, you know, polarizing thing to say when you look at how the rosters are currently constructed. Um, with that said, you know, we've had obviously unbalanced leagues, but should there maybe be a scenario, albeit like a super extreme hard to hit scenario, where more than three teams can make the playoff in some division? Under this proposal, it would be possible. And this would basically mean for this to happen, the fourth place team has to score more points than the highest scoring team in the other division. And then if they clear that bar, they would come down to standings. So then the team that is in the stack division somehow has to have a better record than the, the three shitty team or the three teams in the shitty division that presumably are beating up on, you know, teams that aren't very good. Um, This is probably the most polarizing one, but you know, it's worth considering. Dan, how do you feel about this, uh, especially since you're in the the shitty er division, at least on paper oh, right now? Jesus, like the fucking just, thank you for pulling punches. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, it, it's interesting. It's it's basically at this point in time saying divisions don't matter when specific, well, yeah, 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 in this scenario, because four teams. I mean, I, I don't think we could ever get to five, but four teams have a better record and more points scored than the number one team in the other division. We've, I mean, I, I doubt the odds of this happening are ever there, but I think in a real life scenario, it's a contingency plan that's worth talking about. I don't know if I'm necessarily for this. Uh, mm-hmm. You look at actual how major sports run and understand fantasy is different than actual sports. Yep. There's a lure to it from a competitive advantage situation. But I don't think you get to give, at least in baseball, the the AL Central sucks ass. Like, like there's not a good team there, but the AL East is fucking awesome. Yep. So where do you find this balance? Is this the situation where do we just say, we just put all 12 teams in one division and we go from there and the top six make the playoffs and this is kind of what it is? I, 
I like the idea of three and three. If you play in a tougher division, I'm sorry. That's just kind of how life works. But giving the opportunity to have a go-off week to put yourself in potential to make money, even in a shitty division, has it's it's what we've built on for the last four years. And you're going to have these ebbs and flows, sell to, to buy and everything like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm as up for this as a I think other people are and again please understand I play in the 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 shittier division Nick already said it I'm just gonna echo it um my words not yours yep but is there additional opportunity as we look down the line where this doesn't necessarily make sense and I I don't know if I'm fully convinced that this is the move for the league fair points all around it definitely goes back or goes against the the core foundation of this league. Um, but it's worth considering. Nick, what do you think? The probability of this happening, I would <laughs> have to say is close to zero. Yep. The points is doable, but the fourth place having more points than the first. If if he doesn't cross that bar, no matter what, all three teams from the other division are coming. Yep. And to have a better record. You play in your own division, each opponent twice yes and then you only play two from the other four division four from the other divisions it's a good contingency because if it happens then you literally have a division that is doing nothing i mean if you you chuck it up to to you lose against teams you should lose to that's eight losses because you have to play everybody twice you're going to play or no, I'm sorry, that's six losses. And then you would sweep the other side. Because if you go 0-2 against them. Yeah, I mean, the right. where the only way, the only way they're going to have a better record is if they pretty much hit that top six points every week and the, no one from the other division does. Exactly, that's the that's biggest thing. That's literally the only way it happens because you cannot do yes. it with head-to-heads. Yeah, exactly. It will not happen. Exactly. It's it's going to be a situation where like five of the best six high scoring teams are like consistently in one division. And if that happens, like maybe there's a pathway for this to happen. But I agree. It's like it's it seems so impossible that if this actually did happen, like it would just feel weird having the yeah. playoffs like with the teams like with the best with the truly, truly best teams not in. But again, I might be biased because of the division I'm in. But um that's how I view it. Yeah, I'll dive deeper in it tomorrow and do actual numbers and how mm-hmm. it's possible. But it's so unlikely that having this as a contingent, I don't... I mean, I'm obviously biased because my division's hell, but it's so improbable that I don't care. Like, sure. Right, it's like, why not? Like, It's never going to happen. But it, maybe it could happen, and maybe, it, to your point, Dan, like... It's just maybe it shouldn't be because it's just it again it goes against the core principle. I mean, we talked early on too about like, hey, what if divisions become so unbalanced that yeah. we have to redraft divisions? We we all talked about this, and it's like, no, like that's not what this is about. This is about pure RNG, like mm-hmm. just sheer randomness about where you end up, and then your draft dictates and your outlook on your team dictates how well, your team is going to produce and progress and well i think the what you're gonna get i think the biggest 
thing that's kind of put us in this potential predicament, not even sure that's going to happen, is the fact that we saw like two teams that probably didn't need to blow it up, that like weren't equipped to blow it up when you look at like the draft capital, but still decided to blow it up. And if that's going to happen, like that, it's just obviously like nuked a division's like competitive level. And that's, you know, fine. Like I am always pro, you know, owner's choice to do whatever they want and how they want to construct a team. But um, I think that's kind of the biggest thing. This isn't like natural progression. This is just teams that would by far be like lapping the field in the other vision and being competing with the top dogs, but deciding like, no, I'm just going to take my team to another direction. And that's but those fine. are also the teams that donate money every year. Then why should they, why should the teams that choose to donate money not have that ability to do that? Because they're four, potentially five years out, depending on what situation they're in, what they're oh, selling, yeah. what they're acquiring. I mean, no, no, I'm not, day, we're not infringing on their donation of money. We're just infringing yeah. on their ability to win money. Which I mean, <laughs> but at the end, of, but at the end of the day, donate to win. It everybody does it. If they end up in the better situation and pop off for a week, and so be it. I mean, this is why we pay high scorers every week. Like for there's sure. there, there's rewards for doing that. I don't understand why that is something that we're going to start to neglect. And yes, understand that I'm playing the devil's advocate on the other side because of my situation, but that's the foundation that we were built on. And if we give the teams the ability to blow it up and granted teams that are blowing it up, haven't left the league. We've had one, have we had it? Yeah. We've had one change in ownership and coming up on five years now. Correct. This, this group's invested into what this league is going to become. Definitely. And I'm not like, you know, for sure. And I'm not going against anyone's like right to do what they want to do. And I think that makes sense. I think it's just the idea of, you know, if at the end of the day, there's exceptions to every rule in my mind. I don't care what the rule is, but there's always an exception. And I think if something is so extreme and silly as like the potential scenario we laid out, if that happens, I think the exception should exist. That's that's my last point. And I'll. I'll end it there. Nick or Dan, do you want to end it with any thoughts on your side? Um, I'll leave, I'll leave it up to the group. I would encourage like okay. active feedback and what we talked about to be journeyed upon in team chat or in group chat and where your stance is in favor of that or not. I think obviously put yourself in a situation where you're on both sides. You're in the better division, which could be four years down the road for, for the Avengers and put yourself in the situation right now that is DC. Like it is it like it's you have to remember that shoes go on both feet. Mm-hmm. So you can't, you know, have your cake and eat it too when your situation changes. So but I would encourage banter and opinions on this. And for people that don't listen to the fucking podcast, keep it fucking like to the point in time where it's so ambiguous that they're like, what the fuck is going on here? What are they talking about? Because fuck you guys that don't listen. This is how we get listeners. Nick, any last thoughts that you I mean, want to add? Three years ago, four years ago, the divisions were switched. Yep. Avengers sucked. Justice League was amazing. And we weren't even close to the scenario. Like, not even close. So the sheer probability of it happening is so minute. And just to have a contingency, I get. That's why I don't mind it, because... It's never going to happen. Fair enough. 
All right. Well, all these rule changes definitely going to be open for discussion. And, you know, we'll definitely give them enough time to breathe. You know, not going to bring anything to a vote by any means, especially, you know, we want to give people a chance to voice their opinion, listen to the pod, all that stuff. Um, depending on how those conversations go, though, maybe we'll bring something to a vote um, and go from there. Um, and of course, if you guys have any thoughts or things that you want to change or maybe see addressed, of course, open to that. So just mention in group chat, you know, feel free to shoot me a message and that's something I could, you know, bring up on a, a future podcast, however you want to handle it, we can go through that option. Um, but I think changing things up now and then, I think it can be fun and kind of invigorate a league. And not that I'm saying we need that in this league, because I think it's a pretty competitive and fun league. But just because it is that, I don't think that's an excuse to not do anything. So that's just my philosophy and how I try to run my leagues that I commission. So um, food for thought, maybe nothing will come from it, but um, definitely worth uh, having this exercise every couple of years. Um, on that note, thanks for listening. We'll be back probably in, I don't know about, maybe next week or maybe in a couple of weeks, we'll probably be looking at both divisions, Justice League and Avengers, and running through how things are sitting in each of them and, you know, give a early prognosticate, well, our early forecast on how the divisions are looking um, ahead of summer, mini camp, and all that fun stuff. Was that word you were looking for? Was prognosis? No. Okay. Spoiler yeah. alert: Justice League sucks. More than likely. Oh, fuck you guys. Until next time. See you guys. <laughs>